On Sunday, Supreme Court Justice Ricardo Lewandowski published an op-ed in Brazil's largest newspaper warning that, quote, the price for crossing the Rubicon can be high, end quote, even for those only following orders. This was a not-so-veiled reference to the armed forces, which have indulged President Jair Bolsonaro's anti-democratic behavior under the excuse that he's their commander-in-chief. But the Supreme Court's powers come solely from the legitimacy other political actors granted, in something of an institutional agreement that the court has the final say on all legal matters. However, Bolsonaro has done his best to chip away at that legitimacy, and things have reached the point where we don't know how the government, or the barracks, would react to a firm ruling from the Supreme Court. My name is Gustavo Ribeiro, I'm the editor-in-chief of the Brazilian Report. This is Explaining Brazil. Brazilian Supreme Court justices are known among journalists for their long-winded interviews and statements, which often have very little in the way of substance. They keep their cards close to their chest, not wanting to reveal their opinions on future trials or ruffle any feathers by making assertive declarations. But faced with a president that challenges the tribunal's legitimacy almost on a weekly basis, the Supreme Court has chosen to react. On Sunday, one of its members published a harsh reminder that armed insurrections are unbailable crimes not subject to the statute of limitations, and that the punishment goes for leaders and underlings alike. The op-ed comes just over a week before pro-Bolsonaro groups will stage protests in Brasilia and São Paulo, demonstrations which many political stakeholders fear could boil over to full-scale riots. Bolsonaro has announced that never before have the Brazilian people had such an important opportunity in reference to the September 7 protests. Nunca uma outra oportunidade para o povo brasileiro foi tão importante ou será tão importante quanto esse nosso próximo 7 de setembro. He went on to say that many people want him to take certain measures. In the past, we would raise a sword and proclaim some words. Today it will be a little different, he told supporters. Creio que nós vamos mudar o destino do Brasil. Last week we talked about the role that the military police could play in these protests. But this week, we look at how fear of what Bolsonaro and his supporters might do has left other political actors paralyzed. We welcome back Beatriz Rey. She's an NSF Agoda Visiting Fellow at Johns Hopkins University and an APSA Congressional Fellow. Beatriz holds a PhD in political science from the Maxwell School of Citizenship and Public Affairs at Syracuse University and is also a columnist for the Brazilian Report. Beatriz, thanks for coming back on the show. What was your reading of Justice Lewandowski's op-ed? Well, I uh, the one the first reaction I had when I read it was if the Supreme Court justice has to publish an article, an op-ed asking for respect, that means that respect is long gone. 
Yeah, right. I mean, it reminded a few people of that Game of Thrones episode where Tywin Lannister tells King Joffrey, Any man who must say, I am the king, is no true king. <laughs> That's exactly what I thought about when I read the op-ed. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I think that's that's a great comparison, and and that's that's the case, right? If you have to go on a major uh, newspaper to impose respect, that means that respect is out of the window, right? Uh, and this, especially when we're talking about Bolsonaro, he has been testing uh, the strength of Brazilian democracy over and over and over again uh, during the last months, and and we're seeing uh, the. Independence Day protests or support for Bolsonaro protests or whatever we want to call it, uh, next week is a culmination of that process of uh, him testing institutions and, and provo provoking some sort of backslide. And, and that's the context in which this op-ed is published. One interpretation is that uh, the, the justice wrote this uh, thinking in terms of just the police, the military police and the armed forces. Uh, but the question really is, and uh, here I'm going to get into the details of what he wrote, but he talks about um, Rome and Caesar and Caesar crossing the Rubicon. So my question is, who is going to be there to stop Caesar from crossing the Rubicon in the case of Brazil, right? Who is going to stop Bolsonaro? Now, this is what I ask you, Beatriz. Who could stop Bolsonaro from crossing the Rubicon this time around? Because institutions which should provide checks and balances seem either co-opted by Bolsonaro, cowarded by the president's attacks, or nonchalant about his threats. Uh, yes. And it, to me, as a scholar of Congress uh, in particular, it is shocking to see how uh, both heads of the Chamber of Deputies, the House and the Senate, are reacting to this. It seems like they are in a state of paralysis. Uh, and here I'm talking about specifically about uh, Speaker Arthur Lira, who is seems very scared of doing anything um, to, that will contradict Bolsonaro. Uh, so we had an, an example of that yesterday when we found out that the major industry federations were about to release a letter asking for a uh, for peace uh, across branches, and that Lita himself intervened to stop the letter from being published. Uh, so we we understand what we observe is that there is some level of fear in terms of uh, political actors and uh, in, in how will Bolsonaro counteract what they if they do something to try to stop him, right? And my question is, if that's the case, if everybody's just scared about what Bolsonaro might do if somebody tries to stop him, then what do we do? Because the elections are next year, and after the elections. We have a period until the next president uh, is able to take office, either Bolsonaro or another person. And it seems like from the polls right now, at least, it seems like he would be another person. Um, so what what do we do? Do we stay in this state of, of paralysis until then? Now, the main actors who could do something about this are House Speaker Atul Lira and Senate President Rodrigo Pacheco. One seems completely sold out to Bolsonaro, and the other tries to appear as magnanimous amid the mess, but doesn't actually do anything. How do you see their role in this? I think one is uh, not interested in holding Bolsonaro accountable, and that's Artur Lira. And the other is just dismissing, and that's Rodrigo Pacheco. At least when we, uh, I can't believe I'm actually saying this, but when Rodrigo Maia was uh, the speaker, at least 
there were some tweets or some notes against the behavior of Bolsonaro. We don't even have that right now. Um, I think it's much worse. And I don't see them changing their behavior anytime soon. And especially uh, Arturito. I think, again, he's very comfortable. I think Bolsonaro was able to arrange uh, some sort of basis of support in Congress. Uh, and we saw how he did that with the news uh, stories from Estado and the secret budget and allegedly corruption schemes that were involved in, in buying this this uh, support that he has in, in the in the house so i think it it's that you have the uh, the speaker of the house who really doesn't want to address anything and you have the 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 speaker of the senate uh who just dismisses the behavior of bolsonaro as as, as if something that's not uh of urgent that should be addressed that that is bad for brazilian democracy um so yeah, Congress is not really not really doing its job in terms of checking the president, the president's power. Now, one thing that strikes me is the level of fear these pro Bolsonaro protesters are provoking. The Supreme Court is launching a procurement process to improve security detail on some of its justices, while the COVID hearings in the Senate want to alter their schedule to avoid coming into contact with these demonstrations. What does that say about the level of radicalization in Brazilian politics? Well, uh, what I see is that, uh, first of all, every, everybody's putting their heads down and being, um, and being okay with Bolsonaro's behavior, which uh, is not good for Brazilian democracy. But second, that the institutions themselves are, are not strong enough to, to deal with a threat like Bolsonaro. Otherwise, we would not see political actors so scared of doing something to stop him, right? If the institutions, first of all, <laughs> were working or and were strong enough, you would see people trying to stop him, political actors trying to stop him. Uh, in a way, that happened here uh, in the U.S. I, I don't like comparing the two situations, but you do see, you, you continue to see, and you saw that during Trump, President Trump, um, a more, uh, a stronger um uh, a stronger blockage in terms of just stopping him from from destroying democracy. Um, I know that uh, it, with all the problems that we had here, I'm not saying that it was perfect, but uh, what we see in Brazil is an extreme weakness of institutions. And I think that the fact that you and I, Gustavo, are analyzing the fear of political actors is just, it, it speaks to that, to the weakness of institutions, right? We're not discussing institutions themselves. We're discussing the actors. Right, but long ago, these actors were not afraid to make a move. This week marks the five-year anniversary of Dilma Rousseff's impeachment by Congress. And while she had committed impeachable offenses, she was only ousted because the economy was tanking, she had no relationship with Congress, and no longer enjoyed popular sport. I mean, there was a calculation among political elites that the country could not remain in the hands of a president that was unable to govern. But one could argue Bolsonaro is a much worse president than Dilma ever was, especially due to his threats against democracy and disregard for human life. Still, the chance of impeachment seems completely remote, even non-existent at this point. And why is that? Is it the proximity with Dilma's impeachment, cowardice from institutions, Bolsonaro's success in co-opting political leaders, or 
a bit of everything. I think it's a bit of everything. Um, and also, I like, so let's just go through what you said. Uh, he was more successful of, uh, in terms of co-opting. The relationship between uh, President Rousseff and Congress was terrible. Uh, so that for sure played a role in, in her impeachment. The proximity definitely plays a role because I think uh, there is a sense among political actors that they don't want to use that uh, constantly, the impeachment tool. Um, otherwise, then we would start having a conversation about a, having a parliamentary regime and a, a vote of no confidence, and that's not what we have, right? Um, so they, they don't want to use that uh, willy-nilly. I, I have heard that. Um, there is also the support of the business uh, class, right, which seems like right now is uh, up in the air. Uh, and don't, President Rousseff lost that uh, very early on because the, of the economic crisis that were happening. But I also think that um, as we were talking about just a second ago, actors are scared. So they, they were not scared with President Rousseff because uh, despite everything that was done, she was she was never going in public. She never went in public to say that she would try to uh, conduct a power grab, that she would try to close Congress or or, or use uh, tools that are not in the Constitution. Right. And Bolsonaro has been doing that. So I think that partly political actors are scared that if they try to impeach him, he's going to come back with uh, a power grab or something worse. So I think it's a combination of factors, but I don't think we can exclude the fact that we're dealing with a very different type of president here. Um, and by that, I mean, a, Bolsonaro is a president who has been announcing to the world that if somebody tries to do something to him, that he, in his interpretation, is uh, strong enough against him or in, in, in any way uh, contradicts what he, he believes is right, he will not uh, be shy in trying to subvert the Constitution. And we didn't see that um, during the, the Rousseff impeachment, right? Now, another factor might be the lingering support some parts of the business elites still lend to the government. And for me, this is quite puzzling. In recent history, business sectors were pretty much pragmatic. They sided with Lula and Dilma while the economy was booming, and then turned against them when things went south. But Bolsonaro has very few accomplishments in terms of a pro-market agenda. His Chicago-educated economy minister is venting about defaulting on court-ordered payments, and the country is pretty much stuck in an economic quagmire. So why are so many business owners still charmed by the president? I think there is this idea that a lot of people still believe in that Bolsonaro and um, Minister Paulo Guedes uh, are liberals, uh, that they believe in a liberal ideology, uh, which I think the business elite in the case of the Workers' Party was always skeptical of. And I think they were always ready to, to like for them to, for the Workers' Party to go back to the heterodox type of economic policies, right? And honestly, I don't know why people believe that, because uh, if you look at Bolsonaro's uh, trajectory in Congress for 30 years, he has been nowhere close to being a, a liberal. Um, and I don't think we have seen anything in terms of economic policy to really buy into that idea, right? So I think it's an, uh, a, a bias from the political elite that is not really 
founded in like grounded in in true facts. But that's the only way I can understand this because uh, if I think if it was uh, if for example we had a, a workers' party government right now, I think they would have jumped out a, a while ago. As you said, there has been uh, like we haven't seen any achievements, and the the few achievements that we've had, like that we can credit them for uh, uh, credit them for the to the the former speaker of the house, Rodrigo Maia, who, like with all his faults, really helped push the agenda that was common between the house at that point and the government at that point. So it it, it is really uh, puzzling why they have why they still buy into this idea that that Bolsonaro will defend um, business interests. Now, Bolsonaro is doing something he excels at. After ramping up the vitriol, he's now beginning to send out more temperate messages. Instead of asking for the shutdown of the Supreme Court, Bolsonaro claims the protests will be about freedom of expression, an intentional sense of ambiguity, which we've seen throughout his term in office. Now, many believe these protests will turn into riots especially considering that this will be a gun-loving crowd we're talking about. But let's assume protesters do not act violently and there's no sort of a power grab whatsoever. Has this constant fear of a radical move by the president already become Brazil's new normal? I mean, at least until another president takes office. Uh, that's a very good question. I think in relation to the, the Independence Day event on September 7th, I think there will be violence. The question is just how much. Um, because even if Bolsonaro is stepping down from anti-democratic claims right now, which we're not even sure that's going to last, uh, his supporters are all riled up. And as you very well pointed out, they, this is a, lo a gun-loving crowd in Guns have been, uh, people have been getting more access to guns under Bolsonaro. We can't forget that. So there will be violence. Uh, it's just a matter of how much. And that is very hard to predict. Uh, but I don't know. We have two scenarios. One is that this is the new equilibrium, right? That the, the new equilibrium is until we have elections, We're going to go week after week of Bolsonaro pushing against democracy and, and the power, the other power is trying to react back, but not really doing anything. And then he tries again. And then they, you know, like more of the last couple of months, what we have seen more of that until 2022. Uh, and then after the election, um, if he loses, he will not cede power or political actors decide to stop being scared of him and, and initiate impeachment proceedings. I don't know. Uh, given the amount of fear that they seem to, to have of his reaction, if they try to do something to stop him, we, we might be living this new equilibrium until next year, which is, is terrifying because there is nothing that will tell us that in any moment he will not try to do something um, crazy, like trying to, to do a power grab, really doing it, right, if he finds support to do so. Uh, and that's something else that I think we have, we don't have a lot of clarity about. It's just how much support he would have uh, from those that carry the guns, those who carry the guns. And here I'm talking about the military police and the armed forces. So we saw last week um, that the episode with the with the military police officer trying to support the September 7th um, protest and being removed by the governor of Sao Paulo, João Doria. And then we saw a lot of reaction from the 
from the military police in Sao Paulo and a lot of officers coming to, to, to give interviews. And one of them said that 80% of the military police in Sao Paulo is pro-Bolsonaro. We don't know if that first, we don't know if that's true. But second, we don't know how that plays out in other states. So there's a lot of uncertainty uh, here because we don't know really, we're not equipped with the preferences of all actors to understand how things are going to play out. In recent weeks, the Supreme Court has tried to draw a line in the sand. But Bolsonaro is very clear that he will test how far justices are willing to go to stand their ground. Do you see them going all in, like trying to make Bolsonaro ineligible for office? And if so, is that already too late to tame him? I think right now, I don't see that happening. But I think we have to wait until the... September 7th events, because as you and I were talking before we started recording, this is an event that Bolsonaro is doing to show how powerful he is. So depending on the numbers and depending on what happens, I think that the event itself might change the calculations of political actors. If it's bad enough, I think there the other powers, the legislative and the judicial, will have to sit uh, I don't want to say sit down because that's what apparently they've been doing and then that comes to nothing but they're gonna have to reassess um, their strategy uh, in terms of dealing with bolsonaro I don't think that can happen right now but I think that can change depending on what we see uh, on September September 7th uh, which might not be a lot uh, I don't know it's hard it's hard to, hard to predict what what's gonna happen uh, we saw that According to the newspapers in Brazil, he's trying to change the tone of the protest, um, less of an authoritarian protest and more uh, pro-freedom of expression or whatever he likes to call it. But his support, as I said, his supporters are still riled up. So uh, it, it might be uh, a strong, strong event for him, depending on and depending on how that plays out. I think the Supreme Court, I think if any reaction will come, Gustavo, I don't think it will necessarily come from Congress, at least not right now. Uh, Artulita seems very settled in his position to not um, proceed with impeachment, uh, uh, the impeachment process. And I only see that changing if something really big um, happens to alter his calculation. So I think it's more likely to come from the Supreme Court, uh, from the the, the TSE, the the Electoral Court, uh, than from Congress. Which is just it's it's a shame. Again, for me, um, studying Congress, I I am very disappointed of at Congress and at the heads of both uh, the House and the Senate in terms of doing what they're supposed to do, which is checking the president's power. There has been no check from Congress recently. So basically, there's nothing for us to do but hold our breath until September the 7th. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Beatriz, thank you very much. If you like Explaining Brazil, please leave us a five-star rating wherever you get your podcasts. It only takes a second, and it will help more people find out about this show. Or you can sign up to the Brazilian Report, the journalistic engine behind this podcast. We offer a seven-day free trial, no strings attached, which gives you access to the site for a week without the need to insert any credit card details whatsoever. I'm Gustavo Ribeiro. 
Thanks for listening. See you next week.